thank you guys. Thank you to Caitlin for doing that and hanging out for a little bit longer. Uh, we're going to be today in the Gospel of John. And so if you want to take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of John chapter 13. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anybody leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. And we have those on the table in the back as you leave. There's no cost to you, just a gift from our heart uh, to yours. If you need that, uh, don't hesitate uh, to pick it up. So I come up here today, I feel a strange aura. You know what an aura is, right? I feel like there's been a singing pastor up here uh, for the last two weeks. Is this true? Songs and baseball bats and crosses and I heard about all this. I thought, man, they're not going to want me back. And uh, some of you said that today. You don't. Uh, <clears throat> but no, I thank you to Steve uh, for uh, standing in and doing a wonderful job from what I'm told. Um, while we were away for vacation, I thank you to our church. Uh, I hope you know uh, how we do not take for granted and how our hearts are full that you would think of us uh, to extend us a special gift of an extended vacation. I thank you to our church leadership uh, for spearheading that, and uh, we just are blessed by it. And so uh, you've got our family's gratitude and love. Uh, you still did, even without extended vacation, uh, but uh, you, uh, I want you to know we appreciate it, okay? Hey, we're going to be in John chapter 13, and this is a, an episode uh, in the New Testament where Jesus is drawing near to the end uh, of his earthly life for now, until he returns. Uh, but he's drawing near to the end of his earthly ministry, you might say, and uh, all of this is upon him. I mean, it's, it's, it's happening. I mean, the, the wheels are beginning to turn. Uh, Satan has begun to influence the, the actions of Judas, <clears throat> and the, the mind of Judas is on betrayal. Uh, he is going to kiss the Lord Jesus and betray him uh, into the hands of his enemies for, for a portion of money. Uh, all this is happening and the, the religious leaders are coming against and the drama is unfolding. And Jesus takes a moment, plans a moment. The details are set uh, by the Lord himself and, uh, to take what's called the, the Last Supper uh, with them together. And as he does in John's Gospel, a special moment is recorded where he does something that staggers the mind and we're going to look at that together today because the whole uh, reason for him to, to do this is to leave an example to follow and he says as much in the text so we're going to look today at, at what Jesus did and examine the question what happens when dad looks like Jesus on Father's Day what happens when dad looks at the example left on this washing of feet uh, by the Lord Jesus himself and begins to step in the same way. What are the results of that? Verse 1 of chapter 13 of the Gospel of John. <clears throat> now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, the Bible says. Not the world, but this world. There is another world that Jesus would be going to, so to speak. On this Father's Day morning, what an encouragement for those of us who have suffered loss uh, when it comes to fatherhood of one kind or, or another. This world is not the end 
there is yet an eternal kingdom where God reigns and those of our loved ones who have placed their faith in him still are today. But the hour had come for Jesus to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, that is to betray Jesus, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. This is amazing to me. Uh, the, the whole platform or foundation for what Jesus is about to do arises from his acknowledgement that the Father had given all things into his hands. He is the possessor of all authority. His identity is clear in his mind. He did not belong here. And although he, he wore an earthen body for a moment, uh, he came from God. And he's going back to God. His throne would not remain empty. Uh, he, he contemplates all that he is, all the special, powerful authority uh, of, of his being. And then what does he do with it? Verse 3. Verse 4, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Don't miss this. Don't miss how the Bible builds this. I mean, moment by moment, it's giving us a description here that's broken up into little chunks so that we might relive it. We might imagine the disciples around that table and all of a sudden something happens that wasn't planned and Jesus rises up and their eyes begin to, to widen a little bit. What's going on? This is not normal. This is not how we normally do this. They begin to, to take note that he's doing something different here. He's laying aside his outer robe. What's Jesus about to do? He, he, then he takes up a towel. Who put that towel there? He did. He made ready that towel and he wraps it around him. The next step. He pours water into a basin, and I, it doesn't say so here, but I imagine the Lord Jesus, the one who had just contemplated his magnificence, kneeling. Somehow posturing himself as low before these men to take up what? Their feet. To take up the, the position of a servant. The lowest servant in the household was given this task. We already know that Jesus did take up the form of a servant. He poured water into a basin, verse 5, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around his waist. We're going to move down to verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you 
if you do them. What happens? Men, not just dads, men, ladies, all of us, what happens when we see this, what ought to be a shocking and captivating moment that the Lord Jesus does this, when we see that, when we hear his words and he says, do you know what I've done to you? It wasn't just a scene. It wasn't just a parting gift as I prepare to leave the world. You do the same thing. What happens when moms and dads and brothers and sisters and all of us take this seriously? When we decide to look like Jesus. Let's look at three things together today that happen. The first is this. Dads, men, all of us. When you look like Jesus, you show us real love when it's not easy. You show us real love when it is not easy. These are the moments uh, of the end for Jesus. Immediately prior to his own betrayal, arrest, humiliation, and crucifixion at the, hand of, uh, at the hands of men who, who he designed and created. On a tree of his own making, these are the moments of intensity when if there ought to be any time that Jesus for just a second, takes his gaze off of the needs of others and just focuses on self for a minute, on feeling bad, on being afraid, on looking ahead to what was coming for him. If there ought to be any moment when it was justified, when it was rational for him to be giving attention to self, it was this moment right here. One of these moments where nobody would say a thing. And if they did... Later on, after all, everything unfolded, they would look back and say, oh, now, we, now it makes sense why he was so preoccupied. Now it makes sense why he wasn't as loving as he once was or teaching as he once was. He knew all that was coming. And now that it's happened, man, how excusable, how justifiable it was. But Jesus didn't do that. Even in this moment, this very moment when he had every reason to, he still left an example for them. He still was thinking about them. He still was loving them what? To the end. He loved them to the end. All the way. Dads, that's our job too. Not just dads. I'm going to speak to dads, okay? But this is for all of us. Dads, we do the same thing. And we praise God when, when, when the Lord has put you in our lives and you show us this kind of love, the love that Jesus showed his disciples the love that jesus shows us i listen to a little podcast every day when i brush my teeth a little moment for me right you, you brush your teeth you close the bathroom door you lock it you turn your podcast on you brush your teeth that's what i do i like my little podcast moment and <clears throat> you think i should be able to have a just a little minute in there listen to my podcast without anything going on right no not right. I can't tell you the, the number of times that I've been brushing my teeth, listening to my podcast, when all of a sudden at the door there's an argument going on, right? The kids are fussing. You end up quelling a, a rebellion out there or something, or, or someone's emotions are hurt. You, you have to tell them, foam in your mouth, you know. You've got to push the pause on the podcast. You try to speak to them, and the little dots of toothpaste go all over the mirror. You know how that goes? You end up in trouble with your sweet wife. Y'all have one. Um, and you, <laughs> you end up in trouble over it. And you think, uh, sometimes I'll come out of the bathroom and swing the door open, foaming mouth, and I'll, I'll say, 
guys, just give me one minute in the bathroom. I mean, if there's any place, any moment, it ought to be brushing your teeth. You ought to have a little bit of, of me time. <laughs> this is the moment there for Jesus, right? If there had been any moment when it should have been about him, this was the moment. And yet, listen, this is the love of our Savior. He loves us, what? To the end. And so today, I hope you uh, praise the Lord Jesus. Uh, praise God that he gave us such a Savior that loves us to the end. And I hope you realize that we stand today in salvation only because of this type of a love. This is not a love that just rides the wave of circumstance and feeling and emotion and what's happening around and what's coming down the road. This is a love of the fixed determination of God. It depends on his character. And dads, we praise the Lord when you show us that kind of love. Dads, when it's your moment that you ought to have a little bit of me time, when the bills are pressing down, when it's, it was tough at work, when the car is broken, when you're juggling kids' activities, uh, when, when something's going on in, in your world that no one else really knows about, but, but listen, it's bearing down upon you. These are the moments, dads, when we would look at it and say, yeah, well, certainly, certainly it's justifiable for him to be in himself a little bit. But even in those moments, you show us the love of Jesus when you love us to the end. And we praise God for that. But secondly, you show us real love when it's not easy. But you also show us, rather you help us not to fear our purpose, our God-given purpose. I love verse 3 probably more than any other verse in this section here that Jesus uh, realizes, not realizes, but, but contemplates for a moment uh, all that he is. The magnificence, the eternality, the, uh, the power, the, uh, all that Jesus is, he realizes it and he acts in accordance with his identity. He knows who he is. He knows he is wrapped in and clothed in. Uh, the, he's the exact imprint of God, the fullness of all that God is. And he acts in accordance with that. He doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't shrink in fear. He lives up to what God has purposed him to do. We were at Ingalls the other day. I had a little gift card at Ingalls. I, you know, Ingalls is my favorite supermarket and uh, someone one of you gave us a gift card to Ingalls and we took it up there and uh, gave it to them to pay for our groceries I think the gift card was a $25 gift card we were able to buy one head of cauliflower for that uh, <laughs> uh, but um, we took our groceries up and we, we uh, gave the gift card to the person and they just looked at it and they said I don't know how to do this and they just looked back at us. And I said, well, you know, it, it's got $25 on it. We wanted to pay with this. And so they fooled around with it for a minute. And they said, yes, and we can see it does have, it confirms $25 is on this gift card, but we can't get it to process through. And they just looked back at us like the ball's in your court now. You know, like. <laughs> so I said, well, is there somebody that maybe could do this? You know, they called the manager from the back and he came up with the face of a manager who had been called from the back, if you know what that means. And <clears throat> he came up there and he struggled and struggled, finally punched it in, we finally got it to go through. 
But in the moment when, when that young person looked at me and just said, yeah, we can't get it to go through. And in fact, he even said more than that. Uh, we said, can we use this gift card? He said, not with me. <laughs> Listen, that's one of those moments I had to remind myself that I'm a pastor. <laughs> in this town, right? And if I had been out of town, I, might, I don't know what would have happened. But... <clears throat> uh, but I wanted to say, dude, you're wearing the shirt, you know? It says Ingalls right there, and there's, you've got your name tag right there, and they've issued this to you. I mean, you've got the non-slip shoes on that you're supposed to wear here. I mean, you, I mean, you are the one, you're the only one that can do this, you know? Uh, you, you need to do what you're tasked to do. You can't just put the ball back in my court and say, well, too bad, you can't use it here. The Lord Jesus, in a moment here, contemplates and, and, and the whole foreground of what he does next is based upon who he knows himself to be and he does not shrink from it. Dads, we live in a world right now where they're screaming at us to erase who we are as men. The God-given qualities of manhood. They're calling many of those things toxic masculinity now listen to me anything can be toxic you take anything too far it can become toxic I'm not saying there's not such a thing uh, rightly so as a toxic anything masculinity but when the world wants to look at the God-given qualities of manhood the leadership and the the teaching and 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 the compassion that we're supposed to show our families when they want to, uh, to look at us in that moment and and ask us to defend from who we're supposed to be to abdicate from the seat that God has appointed us to there's a problem there and it is okay friends for us to contemplate dads and husbands men who God has made us to be and trusted us to be for the good of our families and for the good of the world and to say you know what I'm wearing the shirt and I'm going to fill it out I'm going to live up to that role that God has given me. I'm going to lead. Oh, you, you don't, you know, this, you're not supposed to, don't be too strong. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to teach my family. There's a new word called mansplaining. Anybody heard this mansplaining? She's pointing, all right? Uh, <clears throat> mansplaining, uh, I take it, is uh, one of these new words where men explain something and it seems condescending to the world. Uh, anyway, it seems condescending, right? Maybe, maybe you'll say, you know what, I'm not going to be intimidated by that. I'm going to teach my family. I'm going to leave them the knowledge, the wisdom, the experiences. I'm going to leave them what God has given to me. They're not going to walk through this world not having that because I was intimidated that I might be mansplaining, right? We live in a world that wants to shut these things down, wants to keep us from protecting and providing. I praise God for men who have determined that they're going to set the example, men that you're going to determine the pace, men that you're going to place the barriers for your family. You're going to be the guardians. You're going to draw the lines. You're going to pass the torch that you live up to the God-given role that he has placed you here for. We see that example of the Lord Jesus, don't we? That's exactly what he did here. 
And man fathers, when we follow the example of the Lord Jesus, we help our families and those around us not to fear that God has purposed us for something. Let's do it. I mean, let's do it. Let's be men of the Lord and not men of the world. We don't have to fear that. We read that today in Psalm 3. Though many thousands are arrayed against me, right? Whom shall I fear? Be the one that God has called you to be. Dads, we praise God for your courage to be unashamed about following the model of Jesus to act in accordance with your identity and to step in boldness into the purpose that God has given you. That's the example today. You help us not to fear our purpose, but lastly, you teach us that strength doesn't mean self. Strength does not have to mean self. I saw a bumper sticker the other day said, he who dies with the most toys wins. On a big, big old truck, you know, you know, pulling this or hauling that. He who dies with the most toys wins. There's a sense of self in this fallen world. Right? The, the, the more I build into me, the better off things are. The more successful, the more, uh, I'm, I'm more of a winner. Uh, the one that dies with the most toys is the one who wins. That's not the example of Jesus here, is it? What did he do knowing how powerful he was? Men, what do we do knowing that God has placed us in a position of leadership? Yes, even of authority. Yes, even of strength. That's okay to say. What do we do knowing that, that we in some sense have a, 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 an elevated responsibility? We don't lord it over folks. That's not the example here. What Jesus did is he served. It wasn't a me first mentality. It was others over self all the way to the end they would have looked at Jesus and said he's our teacher our leader they've seen him as a miracle worker and a healer talk about power none of us can claim that power the one who has sat at the head of the the highest executive boardroom in this place today cannot say that you were a teacher leader miracle worker healer that you fed 5,000 that you commanded the wind and the waves that you casted out demons and that you raised the dead. But that's who Jesus was. And so when he rose, towel, garments, basin, water, washing, wiping, when he rose and did that, listen, that ought to grip us. That's the example that he's leaving. I was talking to some interns at a large church that I once knew. They were so excited to go into ministry, and they went there for the first day of the internship. And they were astonished to learn that their job for that whole day was to clean the toilets in the whole church. And they were eh, not necessarily moaning, but they were surprised, you know. They were taking a step up, step next into the next big thing. They got there, and they cleaned the toilets from all three floors of that big building. They cleaned it, wiped them down. They said, I asked them which one was the worst. And they, I figured it would be like the children of the student ministry. Sorry, guys. But uh, they said, no, it was the senior adult men's bathroom. It was a weird little bathroom. Had a black couch in it. Looked like something that came out of a, a taxi cab studio. Or, I mean, it's just a black leather, nasty couch. You need a hazmat suit to be on that couch. And... <laughs> Uh, the urinal was right there and all the toilets and the sink and I thought why in the world you know 
is that the nastiest one? And it, got, it kind of occurred to me, they get in there, you guys, not this church, but you guys get in there and people are sitting on the couch apparently. You want to talk to them and you're not paying what? Attention. And stuff winds up where it ought not to wind up. It's not just the ladies that like to talk, is it? And so they said, yeah, we did that and that, that bathroom was nasty and it was an eye-opener for us and... The message, of course, behind that was that uh, ministry done right is servanthood. In ministry, you don't step into an internship or a ministry position to, to be exalted. That you, you come into that and you, you get your hands dirty and you serve and you work and your fingernails are not clean sometimes. We've seen that recently. Saw it this week out in the parking lot here. A 98 degrees on Wednesday. The sun baking down in this fresh new blacktop radiating it up it was it was literally um, scary with, as far as health concerns go and there was snow cone dripped juice syrup all over the ground and Fletcher uh, who was wearing like a mink coat or something he, uh, <laughs> he loves his long sleeves but he was out there in long sleeves and and uh, he came out from under the tent where there was some shade and started getting a hose and a broom and some soap and Wiping, he spent the whole day, you know, helping clean up that stickiness so people didn't get messed up by it. Man, that's sometimes his ministry. I watched Trey up here in this balcony when it was all undone. The dirt of 70 years is underneath those floors up there. And I watched him crawl on hands and knees, sweating and clothing and skin snagged on little nails as we did this work, running wires up there. That's not in his pay zone. That's not what, what, what he's, you know, on paper here for. But I saw it happen. I saw it happen. Somebody, you might think, well, he's, he's supposed to be on the stage on his knees. You'll see Miss Vicky doing that this week at art camp. You want to come see an amazing thing, you come watch Miss Vicky with our children in the children's ministry. Service. When it comes to manhood, guys, we do the same thing, right? I mean, that's our task here. We realize our God-given role, but we are not afraid to assert our strength, not through self, but through servanthood. And to, to, to do what's needed for those that God has trusted to us. Men, the strength that God has given us was meant to serve something far greater than self. God has commissioned us as caretakers and servants of our own families and of a world orphaned by sin who needs a desperately an everlasting father. And when we follow this example, that is who we point them to. So we praise God on this Father's Day morning for giving us dads who are not afraid to be strong after the pattern of Jesus, rather than strong according to the standards of this world. There is a strength that speaks to our flesh. But that is not the strength of the man, the father, the woman, the child of God. Probably one of the precious, most precious pictures that I have memory of with my kids, as you probably do too, is when they're little... They find dad's shoes, right? They slip their little feet in there and they 
clob around the house like they do. That probably happened with you. You probably have pictures of it with your kids doing that. And here's a scene where Jesus has not exactly, not exactly asked us to fill his shoes. We could not do that. But there is a sense here in which he has handed them to us. And see, so you walk in my steps. You, you put your feet in these shoes. You follow this pattern. When we do, men, we leave footprints for them to follow. We leave something behind. I want to ask you this morning as we close, where do your footprints lead? Not just dads, all of us. Where are your footprints pointing? Where do those little toes go? God has given you the shoes of Jesus to walk in. What do they see? Your little ones, your wife, those around you, your grandkids. What do they see as they look at where dad or the man in their life has walked? Wouldn't you take them to Jesus? Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd like to offer you a chance to respond. There's no magic to this. What this is, is just a chance where the, the floor is open here at the front, as we always do. Maybe you need to make some decision, take some action to move close to God. If you're here today and you have never placed your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, for eternal life, uh, for forgiveness from sin, from deliverance, from temptation, if that's you today and you need a Savior, there is a Father, but He's not your Father because you've never trusted the cross of Calvary to cover and to pay for your sin. You come today. We're not going to embarrass you. We'll walk with you and celebrate with you. We know what to do. We would love to celebrate as a church family today. A new brother, a new sister in the kingdom of God. Today you're welcome to come for baptism. There may be someone here who, who, who needs to come and say, I've placed my faith in the Lord Jesus, but I have not yet taken the courage to follow him to do what he wants for me in hitting those waters of baptism. Maybe come today for church membership and find your home here at Poplar Springs. We're not perfect. But we're working hard to honor the Lord and what he's trusted to us. We need your help. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Maybe you just come and pray and thank God for your dad. Maybe he's still here in this world or maybe he's gone on, you come express gratitude to the Lord or pray for any other reason. This is your time, not mine. So we commit that to you today. Lord Jesus, thank you for the word of God, for trusting it to us on this Sunday morning. Thank you for dads. And Father, for the high privilege of at all being considered and invited to step into the example of the Lord. Help us to live up to that pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, you come.